Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. Okay, uh, it is my favorite time of the week, a uh, time of the week that I like to call my Sunday confessional. I was having a tough time getting my sermon out of here this week and onto the page, and by having a tough time, I simply mean I was procrastinating, full disclosure, Uh, and I am no uh, stranger to the self-help gurus of our time. I happen to have a weak spot for our friend Tony Robbins, and one of Tony Robbins' maxims, I know, hey, I said it's confessional corner, okay? One of Tony Robbins' maxims is if you want to change what is happening, if you want to change the way you feel, you want to change your mental state, you have to move your body, you have to start with your physiology. So I decided that I would leave the sermon that had about 12 words on the page. It simply said, Sunday confessional, (laughs) and I was going to go for a walk, so I took Eugene and we went for a nice long walk along the river and as I was coming home a person interrupted me on the seawalk and said that they were a radio reporter in the city and they were wanting to ask residents of my downtown neighborhood how we felt about the increased drug use in the city if we were scared in our neighborhood if we were bothered by the number of unhoused folks that seemed to be around and so on and As you might be able to imagine, I have some strong thoughts on this, particularly around their line of questioning. So I grabbed the little microphone and I preached a sermon on compassion and harm reduction and what it means to be a good neighbor and the destigmatization of the unhoused community. And this reporter was quite taken aback and said to me, well, we certainly hadn't talked to anyone like you yet. Yeah, and I thought to myself in that moment, you know, I would have been okay I would have been okay if Jesus had heard me give that interview. I think I did right by you, my community of faith, by our values. I think I did right by the people in the city. I think I did right by myself. I was genuinely expressing a convicted call to action. And the reporter said, great, can I get your name? And I said, Jennifer. (laughs) Yeah, I lied. I lied. I made up an entire alter ego in that moment. Her name is Jennifer Seasons. She is a hypnotherapist who retreats in Tulum, and she calls herself a light worker, and she does not get lightheaded when she does camel's pose. This was Jennifer. Yeah. I was so, so uncertain of myself in that moment that I disassociated into an entirely non-existent person. And I did all of that after going on a nice little walk where I meditated on what it meant to be a person who doesn't hide their light under a bushel. Yeah, yeah. Let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to God. So (laughs) I'm going to give us all an assignment today that I really could have used in that moment. I want you to turn to your neighbor or type in the chat box if you're there. I want you to unabashedly, unabashedly brag. I want you to introduce yourself by your real name. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I want you to say something you are proud of yourself for this week. I'll give you, I heard the sigh. 
loving God, please remind us that we are enough. We have always been enough and we will be enough. Go and share your light. Let people know. You have a minute. Welcome back, everyone. I don't normally hear this much laughter and jubilee when I offer a question of the week. So I hope that that means you are doing right by yourself in this moment. Thank you for, for sharing that. I invite you to wrap up your conversation by saying to the person you were just talking to, thanks be to God for you. Just tell them, thanks be to God for you. Thanks be to God for you. Thank you, everyone. Keep bragging after church over coffee, please. We love to hear it. Let's pray. Holy One, be with us as we explore these ancient words that they may speak new life into ours and embolden us to live out your love loudly in the world. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen. So when I think back, now two days removed, when I think back to that moment I had with the reporter along the river, I'll tell you what I see in my retrospective mind's eye. I see a woman with some saltiness, some personal conviction, and I see a woman bearing light. That's what I see in myself. And I also see a woman who didn't believe she had the right to be either of those things, making way instead for the ways of this world to overshadow her call. What if I don't know enough about the circumstances to speak accurately or from an educated perspective? What if I ruffle the feathers of the woman that lives below me and she comes at me during the next neighborhood association? I joined after this. <laughs> So I say my name is Jessica, and that's not, that's not the first time that I've called myself Jessica before, just so you know. Now you know my alter ego, so you can put that in your back pocket. And just like that, my salt, my salt has lost its flavor. 
My light is under a basket and the world can think whatever it pleases because my call, my ego, and my faith is no longer at stake. The thing about unsalty salt, however, about dimmed light, is that it is one of the ways that we choose to turn away from God. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't care how beautifully you read that, and I did not want to say thanks be to God after that line. This is what it says, which sounds so harsh until we look at our own lives and we notice we make way for all of these things, the lawmakers, the moralists, the politicians, the public opinions, all of the time. We make more room for those than anything else. How often do we trust that we have been equipped with a faith that makes way too? How often do we trust that our very beingness is the action that is required. We are so quick to think we are not enough, don't have enough, aren't ready enough, aren't blank enough, when in fact the very thing that makes us enough is that Jesus calls us as we are. Remember Simon and Andrew, we're nobody fishermen, not the best of the best. It's a call back to two weeks ago. They were not the best of the best. And Jesus says, come, follow me. Remember, Jesus began preaching to the disciples last week. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are we all, Robin told us right now. That's like the foundation. We are blessed. Our light, our saltiness, the flavor of your faith that makes us us, that makes you you, that makes me me, is the exact seasoning God's vision needs. And Matthew, the writer of this gospel, tasks us boldly with this. It's not easy. You should have heard yourselves. Oh, that's what you sounded like after I asked the question. Afraid of your own salt up in here. It is not enough to be called as disciples, to follow along, to obtain the knowledge of who we are in relationship to God. We must be in relationship with God, and as anyone who has spent time in a relationship knows, and that's all of you, you can't be in relationship with someone if you aren't showing up as your whole self. How we serve is determined by our saltiness. How we live is expressed through our light. And this is a powerful and challenging call as preacher Caroline Lewis says, salt stings and light reveals. Those are not easy things. I want to enter into our little history moment here and teach you a little something about salt in the ancient times. 
The kind of salt that's being referenced here is called natron. It was or it is harvested from the dry lakes and the riverbeds, especially in the Middle East. And if any of you have ever driven through Southern California, Peter, my second shout out to you during the service. If any of you have ever driven through Southern California, down past Palm Springs towards Mexico, you might have stumbled across a place called the Salton Sea. There you go, yes, good. The Salton Sea, it's, it's a hideous place. Absolutely hideous, but it's this mineral-rich basin of water that is inhabitable for any wildlife because of the amount of salt in it. And the land, for as far as you can see, is essentially a wasteland. It's just covered in white dust. The lake, which is a huge basin of water, is essentially a little puddle of mud in the middle. And the land is littered with the bones of animals and birds and fish that could not survive because of the intensity of the climate. These basins of water existed all over Egypt and Greece and the Middle East. Jeremiah in our scriptures mentions that those who turn away from God will exist in a salt land where no one lives. These are parched places. And yet the salt itself that is born out of these intense environments has traditionally held as much value as gold. This salt was used as cleaning products for homes and environments and tools. It was used as cleansing products for our bodies, our digestion. It was used as medicine. It was used in agriculture. It was used in glass making. It was used in cooking, of course, and it was used as a preservative, both for the mummification of bodies and also as a way to keep food from perishing before the time of refrigeration. Saltiness was our livelihood. And because of this, it became a Jewish symbol for wisdom. The first time salt is mentioned in our scriptures is in the book of Genesis. Salt or sulfur is rained down upon Sodom and Gomorrah for debauchery, sounds fun, and neglect of the poor. The second time salt is mentioned, we hear the story of Lot's wife who turned her back to see where she came from and became a pillar of salt. Not off to a good start, but bear with me. The stories go on. Salt is mentioned over and over. And what we start to see in common is that this is a form of purification. Elijah tosses salt to purify the waters. Ezekiel rubs a newborn down with salt to clean it. It acted like a loofah in case you need a DIY this afternoon. In all of these stories, salt symbolizes what we know to be the good news. That in barren places, in the desert, in the wilderness, in the trouble and the fearfulness and the sin and the brokenness, there is still new life if we are willing to show up and see it. Our saltiness makes us valuable not only to the world around us, but to God. It is through our salt, our natural beingness, our crunchy, potent, active, parched identities, that God's vision for the world is preserved. Christianity, if you don't know, is not one size fits all. I know you can read up on biblical genderhood or biblical marriage or biblical friendship, 
I know you can find rules about exactly what to wear and how to speak Miss Manner's Guide to Excruciatingly Correct Behavior as written in Proverbs. You can find all of this if you look for it. But that's not the kind of discipleship that Matthew is calling us into. Matthew isn't calling us to be like one another, to be a certain type. Matthew's calling us to be like Christ. Salty, heal on the Sabbath, say stuff like be wiser than the scribes, tell the lame to walk. Salty, Christ. We are not here to be cookie-cutter versions of one another. We are here to radiate light to all those we meet through the salt of our beings. Before I formed you, I knew you. You, I knew you. How does who you are, who you are, sing praise to God? How does who you are, Invite people into a different walk of life. I know you don't all want to hear this, but this is a passage about evangelism. And I've said it before from up here, and I'll say it again. A colleague and professor of mine, Reverend uh, Dr. Ross Lockhart, once said to me in conversation that perhaps evangelism is living a life so Interesting, so salty, that people can't help but ask you what it is you do differently. And when they ask you, when they ask you, you don't have to knock on a door, when they ask you, be sure to tell them, I am the salt of the earth. Salty. This sounds like the call Matthew's Jesus is placing on the disciples. Don't just think it. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't knock on the door of your neighbor with a script. You can knock if you want, but at least speak it from the heart. Just be sure to tell them as you be it. Without our saltiness, what we have is knowledge. But knowledge without our convicted, salty action, without the pain of our hearts, without our internal light extending the invitation, that knowledge is only as wise as the scribes and the Pharisees. Knowledge alone still perpetuates racism. Knowledge alone still perpetuates sexism and homophobia and the marginalization of the poor and the criminalization of drug users. Still perpetuates what Sarah Bessie recently called churchianity, not Christianity. They're not the same thing. Knowledge without salt, without us, us in action, does not bring forth the kingdom of God. But when we let our light radiate in the direction of justice and goodness and mercy and blessing and compassion and righteousness. When we show our salt, our pure conviction, our heartbreak, our righteous indignation, unafraid of what the radio thinks or the neighbor thinks or the public opinion thinks, that's evangelism. 
And that kind of flavor, it kind of makes you thirsty. So come, all who are thirsty, to this table where you, as you are, are exactly who is called. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.